0: And welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. I'm Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Brian Murphy. Brian's soccer journey has been a long and winding road. He found his love for the game in his homeland, Ireland and has since moved between there, the UK, Australia and New Zealand as both a player and a coach. At one point, Brian began suffering from a deep depression which took its toll on him. His recovery from that period saw him return to football, and he's most recently taken on his first role as head coach of a professional side, Magpies Crusaders United. Soccer Coach Weekly caught up with Brian to talk about how he's taking all he's learned over the years to lead a team built on strong values and humility. Please note that, from the start, this podcast discusses mental health difficulties and contains a brief reference to a suicide attempt. Brian, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. So, I know today we're going to talk a bit about mistakes and, and learning from mistakes, but bef- before we get into that, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of a, a brief intro to you, who you are, and your coaching journey.
1: Um, yeah, I'm originally from Ireland. Um, grew up in a place called Town in uh County Carroll in the southeast of Ireland, about an hour from Dublin. Um, came from a very sporting family, a massive Gaelic football family, actually, and um fell in love with sports from a very early age because my mum was doing athletics. Dad, done Gaelic football and played uh, soccer or football, uh, as we like to call it. But um, yeah, so I started playing when I was seven. I think Italian 90 was the reason I started playing the game. Um, and I actually started as a goalkeeper, funny enough, because um, of Packy Bonner, um, the Irish goalkeeper at the time, uh, saving the penalty against Romania in the quarterfinal of the um, the World Cup. Uh, uh the oh, sorry, the second round put us through to the quarterfinals to play Italy. So that was my earliest memory of football. And then my uncle Eamon, um got me involved, got me playing. And they were big Manchester United fans, but I didn't realise our family had a had a bit of a connection with Manchester United. and my dad's side of the family. And um, Shay Brennan uh, was it was um, a grand uncle of my dad's. Um, won the European Cup in 1968 with Man U. So there was a bit of a football pedigree there. And, and my dad's side of the family were a massive Gaelic football family. And I uh, played for Leash and Carlow over the years. And uh, yeah, from there, I fell in love with the game, played locally, um, got picked up by St. Patrick's Athletic, the Irish National League team. Um, around the time when they were their senior team was absolutely flying, winning league title after league title, playing in Premier rounds against Celtic in the Champions League and stuff like that and I played 16s to 18s from them and then went across to ProTech Soccer Academy in North London with Pete Edwards and and, and, uh, Craig Maskell and spent a year there, had opportunities at Port Vale played against Sheffield Wednesday places like that and just I didn't feel right, I was homesick um, and I I wanted to come home so I came home and done an industrial design degree and played in the Irish National League and Won the university title um, and I started my coaching then when I came home from England um, I got involved with the Carol League set up um, coaching school boys and sort of coaching the women's team at university and then I took a bit of a break from that because I went into work as an engineer for a little bit um, but lost my job because the recession hit Ireland in 2007 all the all the engineering stuff was moved out to China but within two days of that happening, I was picked up by an Australian club to come out and play in Australia um, back in 2007 with Springvale White Eagles. And I played I played for them and I ended up playing for Dufton as well, which is an NPL2 club in Victoria. Um, I think Springvale are an NPL2 club as well now. Um, and I came back to Ireland. Yeah, just came back. Didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Knew I wanted to come back out to this side of the world. And so I played a bit of Irish League again And then moved across to London, played a bit of non-league and trained to be a teacher. And uh, met my lovely wife then and sort of put a plan together to move out to this side of the world. Now I'd sort of gone away from football at this stage. And I was offered a contract uh, with Eastern Suburbs, the National League Club here in New Zealand, uh, to come back into the game. And I worked hard to come back into it. And and during pre-season, I ruptured my Achilles. Um, So they put me in charge of their under-23 reserve side. And I said, right maybe now it's time to start looking at coaching. So I was about 33 at that stage. Um, so I started my B license, or oh, yeah, my B license with, with um, oh sorry, my C license with New Zealand football. I'd already done some of the underage licenses with the FEI um, and started my B license then. And I'm on my A license at the moment and I still wasn't done with playing. So I went back to Melbourne and played for Berwick and Frankston Pines in, in the fifth year of Australian football Bit like the non league system in the UK, and uh, took the Frankston Pines reserves and took the Southern United National Premier League women's team as well. But yeah, it's been been a bit of a whirlwind the last few years. I've had ups and downs. I've had a really bad year in 2019 and it led to a really bad depression. Um, And I felt like a failure again. I felt like when I came back from England at 19 years of age. and I went to a really dark place, um, tried to take my own life, um, and yeah, um, that was sort of a revelation during that period for me, because I have a beautiful wife and and, and two beautiful kids, and um, yeah, it it was a tough time for me, and, and my wife didn't know how to deal with it, and it was a friend of mine, Brian Shelley, who I played in the National League with back home. Who I played against, who reached out to me and brought me back into football as an assistant coach, and for the rest of the season. And um, from there, I stepped into a role as the director of football then at Papamoa, in, in dropped down another tier, just to be a director of football and a women's head coach. Um, so their men's team went undefeated, won the league that year, and the women's finished runners up, the highest ever finish. And off the back of that, I moved back to Auckland and took the role over at Mangere when they approached me um, and we won the league title. So off the back of that league title, I've just been um, off of the position over here in Queensland in the QPL um, with my first professional side. Um, and one of the things I think they said that how I got the job over other people was, was my statement was I don't treat players as footballers I treat them as human beings because everything I've been through the ups and downs I've been through in life have taught me a lot of valuable lessons um, and I think that's where I've been successful in obtaining this role and, um, and and starting to climb as a coach in the game and I think even the failures as a player or, or as I call them the learning experiences as I call them I don't like to call them mistakes or or failures or learning experiences have helped me um, to be the person I am and, and, and really focus on my values, I guess. And so that's sort of my journey. I've been in and out of football as a player over the years, from pro to semi-pro. And now I went from amateur to semi-pro to professional and coaching. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster and um, an enjoyable challenge, even with its ups and downs.
0: Thanks, Brian. That's quite the journey. And I think, you know, I really appreciate you sharing Stuff about your mental health with us. I think it's so important in the game that we're speaking about that. So thank you for yeah, sharing
1: that. A 100%. And um, I think a, a lot of players suffer with it and they don't know how to speak about it. And I've been quite vocal about not enough being done from, I think, nations FAs. Um, it needs to be coming from the top within each nation. Um, I think New Zealand are at the forefront with it with Dom um, and the sports psychologist who I work closely with. Um, so people are starting to get right clubs are starting to get right now and I think I think it needs to be really focused on the youth set up and what happens to the 18 and 19 year olds that that leave the system where they go they need I think there needs to be sort of some sort of database or focus and see where they go and what their journey is like so that that can be improved along the way
0: Mm -hmm. I think as well when you've just said you know you don't like to say mistakes you like to say learning experiences I guess maybe what traditionally, traditionally the game has been is a lot of pressure. You can't afford to make mistakes. And then if you do, it's almost the end of the world and then it, it all builds up. And I think we're now moving into a space where we're trying to be a lot more accepting, I guess, in football and, and recognise that people do learn and, and grow. Is is that kind of the way you, you see it and the way you like to coach?
1: I've had an interesting week. So we've we lost our first game 6-3. Very naive performance from the team. And I didn't blame it the team for the performance I felt we had an average preseason. we couldn't um, secure the same sort of standard of opposition because we're in re- regional Queensland here or 11 hours from Brisbane so we have to fly to all our away games so we play local teams uh, over here so it'd be like someone in the championship playing someone from the conference south or conference north every week but not playing the teams of the standard they need to so really we're very naive the second performance was fantastic and then we had a below par performance last week. Now I found myself not being present in the moment, starting to make little mistakes, and I sort of had to reset myself. And um, so if you look back what's been going well in the team? I've sort of I haven't got an assistant up here at the moment because um, it's very hard to get the coaches to come to the area because the money isn't in the game for a second coach or, or you know assistant coach at the moment. But hopefully the direction we're heading now that we've turned to a professional club that will come with time but so there's a lot of expectation on me I've a a lot of things I have to deal with on my own and I'm quite liking the challenge normally I would have seen that as a negative in the past but I'm I'm seeing it more as a challenge and I've sort of been a bit tough on the players over the last week and I sort of that's not the coach I want to be so I sort of had to step back and, and, and look at myself in the mirror and says am I really living by my values and are the players living by their values and and, and how can we walk through this progress or pr- process? You know, down in the dumps a bit. The squad at the minute, myself. You know, it, it, it's tough. It's football's a roller coaster. It's up and down. One minute you're, you're you're on a high, the next minute you're on a low. We all know that. And um, it's it's very it's very important you stay humble and stay grounded. And, and and I think having good values and having surrounding yourself with good people is key. Or, or even just one person who takes an interest in you can change your life. You know, so. Um, as so what just takes one person to believe you, and yeah, and and, and things can happen. So, I, I I sit down and talk to my players a lot. I, I I notice when they've had a tough day at work, and I'm trying to get them to communicate that with me as well. Because a lot of the players, even though they're professional, choose to work during the day as well up here. So they're coming off long shifts, tradies and stuff like that. They're on decent money for football training four nights a week and working. It's tough. It's tough, and um, and then have, trying to fit in family time as well. So we've got to be quite wary about that with around players and, and, and they're going to make mistakes as a result. They're going to be tired. They're not going to be as focused. And it's all about communication, I think, clear communication.
0: So you mentioned values there. How, how would you define your value set as a coach?
1: Um, first thing, when if I go to talk about when I sign players, I ask them about their background. You know, it's all about being a good person. Um. That you you'll you'll treat and respect everybody in the change room. Okay, on the pitch, some players can have a bit of mongrel, but once they're they're respectful to themselves and and respectful to others, that that's key to me. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be cheery every week in the dressing room. There's there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be people holding each other accountable. But once we don't take that personal and understand that we're all we all want the same thing. So again, I th- I think um, being humble. Um, being a good person, uh, willing to work hard, willing to outperform a team. Um, even if the team is weaker than you or even better than you, you got to you, know, you gotta work. I mean, you, you know, nothing's given. You got to work hard for everything. So have a good work ethic um, and be willing to learn and open-minded. So that, that's kind of like myself. Even though I'm in this position, someone asked me, oh, you must be doing really great. You know, you've learned a lot over the last, year and the last few years. And I said, yeah, I've learned a lot from people i've learned a lot about myself but i am not stopped learning and and then that's that's something maybe as a player when i got to england i saw oh i'm here now i'm here now and i stopped trying as a player and i my work ethic went the other way and, and, and i shouldn't have if i kept the same work, work ethic i probably would have had a, a a decent career and probably could have played league one league two championship or even if i was lucky enough premier league but I know where I went wrong. I didn't have the mental capacity for it. I didn't know how to control my emotions. I didn't have anyone to speak to about that sort of thing. And and the littlest thing would wind me up and I, I'd prove myself in the reserves or I, I'd go and bang in a hatchery for the first team and next week i will be on the bench. The coaches didn't really communicate back then. And I think for me, being a good communicator is the key Um when you speak to players and, and and if you model your values, they'll sort of rub, rub off on the players. So the last few weeks I haven't been doing that. And I sort of had to recorrect myself and, and, and be more present in the moment. And, and rather than looking at the future or what's next, where do we go from here, but be pre- more present in the moment and stop looking. I think I did this a lot as a young coach, stop looking at other coaches and what they're achieving and what they're doing, because when you're doing that, you're not really focused on yourself and, and And that's something I had to do when i I got with the sports psychologist, it's something we started to work out you know we 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 said, what's the ingredients that are going to get me to the icing? So he said, well, what if you were baking a cake and and the icing's the the top of the cake, what's the ingredients that goes into that? How are you going to get there and um, some of the ingredients I spoke about is courage, courage is one. I talked to my players about courage showing up um you know even when things are, are going against us having courage to take a chance or make a tackle or walk back um and we speak about fear as well like fear can be a good thing it can also be a bad thing some players need fear to play you hear right recently talk about that you know he always had fear he was always looking over his shoulder he did not want to lose that fear of losing um but every player is different and um yeah courage is one thing and and, and, and I, i've done a Another person has been really good to me is Drew Broughton. He's the fear coach at the moment. He, he, that's his title, the fear coach. And he talks about mental health and empathy. And, and there's something that I've been working on the players about empathy because I've been questioning why isn't he training or where's he tonight. And, and, and there's things going on in people's lives that we don't know about. So I, we need to be open to the idea, hold on, the players are going to need nights off or players are going to turn up and they're not going to be in the best mood and it's not going to be personal and we need to look at things maybe not from our eyes sometimes through there. So empathy, being humble, being a good communicator, these are all things that I try to reflect on my players.
0: And how much do you talk to your players, I guess, about your journey and what you've learned from maybe where you feel you have made the right choices and how they could learn from that?
1: Um, A lot, a lot. I, I emphasise culture a lot because... It's something we're still building at the club. The club is five years old. It's a franchise. Um, we hopefully get our license for another five years next year. Um, otherwise, I'll be looking for a job somewhere else. And I, I want to stay here and build a program. Um, so we, we spoke about culture. We got Dom Tees to come in and speak to. The, the players via Zoom and and, and spoke about what culture likes, looks like, what our values are. I've been open about my experiences. Some players have actually opened up to me about their mental health and their struggles and, and the difficulties they're going through in life. And it's it's sort of now one or two are becoming to me, and I feel like sort of a father figure to what some of them. Like, Because I'm 40 this year, and some of these players are 18, 19, I could be a father too, but... They they they're starting to open up and communicate a little bit more. And It tells me a little bit about them and what frame of mind they are going into the games, or what sort of temperament they are, and how to get them up for the game. So I think that's important. I think it's important, and I, I think if you look back to what Alex Ferguson did, he knew every player's mum, dad, wife, kid. It's very he knew the tea lady. It's very important that um. You get to know everybody that makes the club work. Um, I'm very lucky that with the president we have here, in Barry Jensen. He's an experienced um, president. He's, he's worked in high ranks of cricket on this side of the world. Um, and he, he, he's leading the the Magpie Crusaders' charge. And, yeah, look, everyone needs to be able to communicate. We know that everyone, people are going to have bad days. You're going to have off days. And, and, and sometimes it might act out of character. But once we understand the human being and who they are, sometimes we can we can help that and, 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 and communicate and discuss it in in different you know discuss it um to get a clearer view of where people sit at, you know in that time and place. Um one of the things this year we got the players to come up with some sort of value they're going to to um live by. And it came from the what the all blacks did in that book, The Legacy and 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 sweeping out the sheds and 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 always being, you know, doing the right thing and the statement they come up with, together we are strong, alone we are weak, empathy is key, as brothers we can achieve anything. So I thought that was quite nice. I didn't attend that meeting with with the players. I let them get get ownership of that. And I want them to have ownership of this season and, and what they they feel they can achieve and what their expectations are. And we're, we're quite lucky. We have um Mind Ignition in this year working with us. And they're, they're like... um. They're doing some great, great stuff um, with the players around mindset and goals and and how how to to visualise and stuff like that. So that's that's really, really, really important. And the players realise if they can't if they don't want to speak to me, they can go to, to go there and and speak with with the people there. So that that's very important for us um, moving forward as well. And it's good that the club are investing into that side of the game as well.
0: And. Talking a bit more about ownership, and I know you mentioned accountability before. How important is it for you that the players are doing it amongst themselves and it's not just you that's holding them accountable?
1: Oh, I think it's very important that the players do it. I think my my squad last year, I've never experienced a squad like it. And and this this squad is leaning towards that direction as well. Holding each other accountable, holding when a mistake is made. We know we're going to make mistakes. We're going to learn from them. We're going to grow from them no one goes onto the pitch to make mistakes but ask them what they saw at that time in the place could they have got it um, could have made the tackle uh, if a player you know some players will react to a bit of a you know a kick up the backside as I say and they will react that way and some players need an arm around them so play, it helps the players learn about each other and learn how each one of them work like even if you go into a business these days they're doing all these tests to see what sort of Person you are in certain situations, or you know, and and it's it's what when the chips are down, who's going to get up and fight and drag the team along, and the players start to identify that sort of stuff, and they they start to identify who they can get on the back of to push them harder, or who they need to encourage and praise to get better results. So it's very important that they do that, and it was something I said is going to be key if if I'm going to be able to do my job this year, that they need to be able to do that as well,
0: and. I was thinking about the empathy point and I think this is definitely not my belief, but I think sometimes people struggle to put empathy and like competitive edge together and they don't see how they can work together. Um do you have any thoughts on that? I think so. I think
1: look, I've had coaches over the years who would knock me and I would just turn around well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on and prove him wrong. Um, and I nine times out of ten I do that. And then I had another coach, Gregor Dowd, who was it was one of the um one of the best coaches I've ever had uh, in in the Irish League um, when we were at Newbridge Town, he he put his arm around me and, and sort of looked after me and encouraged me. And if I did something right, he just praised me and, and sort of made me feel really good about myself and probably had the best season I've ever had in football when I, when I played for him. So um, I think you need to, like, I, I spoke to a player the other day who's in his first year of teaching. And, and, and being a teacher, I understand how the hard teaching is. Um and he he sees struggling, he sees performance has gone off the boil. Like if I didn't know that, I could have reacted different to him. Even though I know he's a wonderful footballer, he's played MPL, he's got the pedigree to play to the level I want him to play. But sometimes players do actually genuinely have off weeks. There, there's other things going on in their lives. It could be a relationship problem like with a partner. I've had one player who's recently split up with his girlfriend and he's been struggling with that, you know, struggling with it since. And and one thing I said, look, I've been in that situation where it, that season with Newbridge Town where Paul Byrne, the ex Celtic player, noticed I was feeling down because my girlfriend at the time was split up and he said, look, you're not going to play today. I'm going to let the head coach know. You're not in the right frame of mind. Back then, I didn't realise why he did it. But looking back now, he was protecting me. So it's good that we know these things about the players. So I could say, look, it's not, you're not going to start today. You're not in the right frame of mind. And, okay, a player might not recognise it at the time, but they'll recognise it in, in, in it might be a year, a couple of years or three years, but they'll recognise why um, they might be dropped. Or it, and it wouldn't be because of their performance, because it's outside things, outside our bubble, that are affecting it, and, and it could affect their performance. And the way you're protecting them, uh, safeguarding them from a bad performance but you also have safeguarding the team so um, I think that's a way I think empathy can work with sports because at the end of the day you need to um, focus on the person as I said they're not just footballers they're human beings and um, so it's really important that we we do that.
0: So what would you say then and that's the final question for you I guess to a to another coach who's maybe setting up a programme at the start of their kind of journey with the team, looking to develop these values, looking to kind of delve into who their players are as people. What would you say to them at the start of that journey?
1: Look at who they are first and delve into their their values. Um, what, what, what are the values they stand by? What are the values that make them who they are? And then um, start to look at what sort of values... And maybe look, investigate other teams around the world. Take a look at Leicester when they won the league. What were the values of that team back then? What were Claudio Ranieri's values? What were Alex Ferguson's values? If you look at Klopp at the moment, the culture at Liverpool. So I'm a Manchester United fan, and 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 looking at Liverpool, I'm obsessed with Klopp. He's he's one of the best coaches out there at the moment, and and that togetherness he's brought with a team. Um, and I'm sure he's he still makes mistakes, but. Um, he always got to, he's always got his players back and, and that's something I would say make sure that you protect your players you look after them they don't go out they don't go out in the pitch to make mistakes protect them because social media i have had my goalkeeper slated on social media and I know what that's like I've been through it so you sort of got to look after and protect them and and I'm not saying muddy cuddle them. everyone's saying that players are too soft these days but I, or or they're too entitled these days I wouldn't agree with that if you look at back Like, Facebook was only starting in my early 20s. so And then the players before that didn't have any social media. They only had the newspapers and the radio. There's a lot more pitfalls for players to fall into. This generation is probably, you know, they say, okay, they might be entitled, they might be a little softer. People say, but I I disagree with that. I think there's a lot more that can hurt people these days. People are tick-skinned, but there's only so much you can take. Of, of abuse and stuff like that and I would say that as a coach look after your players that's the number one thing surround yourself with good people get a good mentor um, and they would be the key messages for me and 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 that's something I've tried to do um, and, and block out the nice block out the negativity those people in your life that either keep telling you you can't do this you can't do that you won't do this no you're mad you, you're dreaming you won't achieve these things they, they're the people you don't need in your life they're the people that will hold you back make sure you have people that are around you encouraging you warning you of the pitfalls that will hold you accountable when you do make mistakes but hold you accountable that you learn from the experience as well so that would be my key experience um, key message from this
0: that was the voice of Brian Murphy thanks to Brian for his time and for sharing his experiences in such an honest way and thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast for more from us join us again next week or visit SoccerCoachWeekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews, and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.